0: And the meditation hall reminds me very much of the beginnings of my practice at at Suan Mok, at Ajahn Buddha Dasa's monastery in the south of Thailand. It was also in the forest, just like here, where the trees and everything is very close by, and the rain, and it's just very much embedded in nature. Because when we live in the cities, it's so easy to forget that. In this you all might know the word Dhamma, the translation for the word Dhamma besides many other things is nature or laws of nature. And for example in the contemporary Thai language the word for natural is Dhammachat. So that word, you know, is, is appearing in daily language as well, daily life language, Dhamma-cad, which means dhamma and chat is chatti is birth, natural is born out of nature. And the Buddha has used many examples you know, from nature to illustrate his teaching and how it works. And also Achancha Cha is known to have been using a lot of simple similes from village life or farmer life to illustrate how the practice works. This immediacy, for example the rain now, that's an immediate experience of impermanence, the sounds of the raindrops falling on the roof here. And just being aware of the cycle of how that rain got up there into the clouds and then now it's falling down before it was maybe a lake here or a river and then it evaporated and collected up there and then causes and conditions come together and it falls down again and then it collects again in a river or lake and evaporates again and it's a constant process. And some of it we have might, might have been drinking and then letting it go in the bathroom and it's an humongous process which we can trust into. If we have the right tools to support ourselves, when, you know, we get triggered because our patterns are not in sync, or quite a few of them, and it gets, it's about interrupting those patterns and develop skillful strategies to deal with the stress which this interruption causes. And I brought a beautiful uh, poem again to illustrate that. And this one is called Tantika Terigata. So that's Bikuni Tantika speaking here. And that's again an English translation which is uh, partly from Archin Suchato and partly from uh, Charles Halise. Living my day's meditation on Vulture's Peak Mountain, I saw an elephant on the riverbank, having just come up from his bath. A man, taking a bowl with a hook, asked the elephant, give me your foot. The elephant presented his foot, and the man mounted him. Seeing a wild beast so tamed, submitting to human control, my mind became serene. That is why I have gone to the forest. Seeing a wild beast so tamed, that refers to the mind, submitting to human control, my mind became serene. That is why I have gone to the forest. Or this is why I am practicing And then the uh, contemporary poem by Mary Weingast. It's called The Elephant. It is quite similar. While walking along the river, after a long day meditating on Vulture Peak, I watched an elephant splashing its way out of the water and up the bank. Hello, my friend, a man waiting there said, scratching the elephant behind its ear. Did you have a good bath? The elephant stretched out its leg. The man climbed up, and the two rode off like that, together. Seeing what once had been so wild, now a friend and companion to this good man, I took a seat under the nearest tree and reached out a gentle hand to my own mind truly I thought this is why I have come to the woods reached out a gentle hand to my own mind so I think that poem really clearly speaks about it's not Sheer willpower or brutal force, you know, to tame an elephant or to tame our own mind. It comes from having a gentle approach, but a consistent approach. You know, like training a child or training a puppy, training an elephant. A consistent, gentle approach. So that, you know, through inside the mind becomes capable of uh, letting go for real, letting really, really letting go, not just pretending. And I think that's why we all have come to the woods here, because we like to, you know, learn more about that process how to support that natural process of letting go. By setting the you know the right causes and conditions so that it's gonna happen. Attachments fall off through insight. And i like to speak today a little bit about what's called in the Pali language Nibida, and it's, it's often translated, translated as disenchantment, basically you know, seeing through the surface appearance of things, and through that seeing through a certain enchantment with the material world starts to drop away. Because we can see, you know, that we have been superimposing certain qualities on perceptions which are not really there if you really look closely. And uh, as we spoke about the four Vipassana, you know, that's those set of, a set of four assumptions which we superimpose on experience. And through insight, we can look through them, and then they start to drop away naturally. And the process is called disenchantment, or nibida, and the word nibida consists of two parts. And if you translate it literally, it means not finding. Actually, on investigation, we are not finding those qualities we are projecting. For example, permanence, on investigation it turns out, no, it's, nothing of all of this is permanent, it's all impermanent, it's all not really satisfactory. All of those things are seen, it's all not really separate. And it's all not really only beautiful, there's also another side to everything. So not finding, so that not finding is good news in this, in this case. Because the not finding results in uh, letting go, in dropping away. Not by suppressing, but by, by simple insight. Just understanding, you know, that we can actually conserve our energy, hunting after all of those things, because we're never going to arrive. Because once we have arrived, the things have already changed again. And we have changed. And to to see that uh, process... In the beginning, it might kind of feel like a loss. But then, you know, if if we have the capacity to stay with that experience, then it starts to open up. And what was, you know, maybe once experienced as a loss is seen as, as a freedom. I don't have to. There's so many things I don't really have to do because it doesn't make any sense. It's like, you know, the trees in the in the forest, in the fall, they teach us about that process of letting go because they have to conserve energy for the winter so they, they drop the leaves off. And only, you know... There are sometimes trees in the forest which don't drop the leaves of deciduous trees, and they are dead because they are no longer alive. So they don't drop the leaves. And then just the whole thing rots into the ground. But a, a, a healthy deciduous tree drops the leaves in preparation for hard times, in preparation for the winter time. And the, the process of, of tree for trees, you know, dropping leaves is called abscission and that comes from the word cindere, the Latin word cindere, which means to cut. And we can do the same thing. We can just cut through ways, you know, we waste our energy in trying, you know, to make something happen or in trying to run away from something else. So through that insight, we, you know, less and less invest our energy in that way. And there's more kind of freedom to decide, what do I want to do with this experience? Where do I want to go with this experience? Do I want to again, you know, do the same thing, trying to control it? Or can I just open to it? And see, you know, what's the most appropriate response here? What fits really in, in conjunction with where I want to go? And then I'm just letting the pressure of habit be what it is. And just allowing the pressure to be there, knowing it's going to change, like everything else. And sometimes, you know, it can take days. But if we, you know, find our way with it, it's going to get easier. So, you know, being able to hold steady with the pressure is basically the key for the way to freedom from those patterns. And in order you know, to have the strength to hold steady, we just you know, throw off any additional luggage we don't really need, like the trees in preparing for the winter. Anything that is not really needed, why bother? We all have responsibilities, I'm sure, and and we, of course, take care of those, but there's often things we don't really need to add on. And it's about, you know, finding out what is what, basically, what is needed and what is not needed. and the word disenchantment might have a bit of a negative press you know for us but actually it means waking up from a, from a dream you know waking up from a spell and putting that spell down and, and coming to life more fully by making some wise choices you know how we invest the energy we do have so I'm gonna read the poem one more time and just let that be your guide for the sit now the elephant While walking along the river, after a long day meditating on Vulture Peak, I watched an elephant splashing its way out of the water and up the bank. Hello, my friend, a man waiting there said, scratching the elephant behind its ear. Did you have a good bath? The elephant stretched out its leg, the man climbed up, and the two rode off like that, together. Together. Seeing what had once been so wild, now a friend and companion to this good man, I took a seat under the nearest tree and reached out a gentle hand to my own mind. Truly, I thought, this is why I have come to the woods. Reaching out a gentle hand to my mind. What does that mean for you today?